Have you ever met a really grumpy person? I mean, someone that just seems to have a negative attitude on life and, and everything and every person that they meet just doesn't seem to be the right thing. And they are just no fun to be around. And on the other hand, perhaps you know people that have a, an incredibly positive outlook on life and that every person that they meet and, and everything that they run into, no matter how uh, challenging it might be, uh, they seem to take it on and, and, and have just a, a fantastic attitude about it. I think, I know, I want to be like that all the time. I'm not always like that. Sometimes I find myself a little grumpy, a little bit cranky, and, and sometimes I find myself being able to take on um, life and, and receive whatever it comes I think that all of us, at some level, want to be happy. And so we're going to be taking a look at happiness um, this week and over the next three weeks in this series, um, trying to look at what we can learn about what is happiness. Where do we find it? And if we do find it, when we do find it, how do we keep it? How do we hold on to it? Now, first, let me clarify a few things. First is, I'm not talking about temporary feelings Uh, We all have good days and bad days. That's part of being human. We're happy sometimes. We're sad sometimes. But what I'm talking about here is that deeper and more abiding feeling. Something that's longer lasting, an abiding peace, a a satisfaction, a a contentment, purpose, and joy that, that for some people seems to be elusive. Secondly, you can find a lot of, uh, you can find all kinds of uh, resources on this topic. Books, uh, YouTube videos, lectures, podcasts, all kinds of things about happiness. Um, I've listened to some of these myself. We're not going to share all of them with you. Um, If you bring up the topic of happiness, probably someone has a resource to offer you, something they've heard or a study they've seen. We're going to talk a little bit about those things, but most importantly, we're going to turn to the scriptures and see what we can find in the Bible about living a life of abiding happiness. Uh, But before we do that, I do want to share a little bit of uh, science and and a study with you that that maybe you've heard of before. Um, This is a a study began in 1938 called the Harvard Study of Adult Development. They started with 238 Harvard undergraduates in 1938, and they set out to figure out what it was that made them happy, and they studied them over their years, uh, over decades, They measured an incredible number of life factors, their physical body, their psychological state, their financial situation. Their goal was simple and ambitious, to figure out what actually makes people happy. It's one of the longest and most comprehensive studies on happiness. And Dr. Robert Waldinger, who's leading the study now, is the fourth leader who's led the study from the time studying these people from the time that they were young to the time they were very old. They've now started on the second generation study, studying the children of those undergraduates in 1938. And they've discovered that each generation has some different idea about what it is that will make them happy. And this generation is no different. We all have life goals. For example, Dr. Waldinger writes this, There was a recent survey of millennials uh, asking them what their most important life goals were, and over 80% said that a major life goal for them was to get rich. And another 50% of those same young adults said that another major life goal was to become famous. And we're constantly told to lean into work, to push harder, to achieve more. We're given the impression that these are the things that we need to go after in order to have a good life. And of course, we all have our own ideas. What is it that makes up a good life? 
What are we striving after? What do you seek to spend your time uh, to achieve or accomplish or be part of? Or to, uh, what is it for you? What's great is that this study doesn't just tell us what makes for lasting happiness. It tells us what doesn't. Uh, so in the study, how do, people goal, how do their goals work out? 75 years um, later, have they brought happiness? If they could go back and do it again, would they do anything differently? We're actually going to hold that till the end of the sermon today. But before we get there, I want to talk a little bit more about what we find in the scriptures. And actually, a, a study that was maybe not so dissimilar to that one done at Harvard, ongoing at Harvard. It was connected a little further back in time, though. Nearly 3,000 years before that study, someone else did a similar experiment, but he didn't study other people. Uh, the subject was himself. He tried a bunch of different things to see what is it that's going to make me happy. And when he was done, he wrote down his findings a book. And, and we have this book today. It's the book of Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament. The word Ecclesiastes, when translated from Hebrew, means teacher. And, and the author is, is known as the teacher. A tradition would attribute um, this book uh, to King Solomon, that, that he wrote it. And perhaps some would say um, that when Solomon was a young man, he wrote another book of the Bible called the Song of Solomon or Song of Songs, a love poetry. Proverbs, that he wrote that perhaps as a middle-aged man, a practical and efficient book of wisdom. And, and perhaps that he wrote Ecclesiastes near the end of his life, reflecting on all that he'd seen, all that he'd experienced, and summarizing them for us in this book. Ecclesiastes is, is a memoir of sorts. It's the story of Solomon's journey. He set out to learn what life was all about and what it was that made him happy. As with the experiment at Harvard, Solomon's approach was to take ideas, to test them out, to see if they were going to work, and then to figure out what these things work and these things don't work. So we're going to take a look at the book of Ecclesiastes today and, and see what Solomon tried out and see what some of his conclusions were. So if you're on a journey to figure out what is going to make you happy, what's one thing you could start with? Well, Solomon um, said, how about work? If I find meaningful work, that will give me lasting happiness. And, and here's his conclusions in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. He says this, I hated the things I worked so hard for here under the sun because I will have to leave them to someone who comes after me. And who knows whether that one will be wise or foolish. Either way, that person will have control over the results of all my hard work and wisdom here under the sun. That too is pointless. I mean, what do people get for all their hard work and struggles under the sun? All their days are pain and their work is aggravation. Even at night, their hearts don't find rest. This too is pointless. It doesn't sound like Solomon had a very good time in his job. I hope that's not what your work is like for you when you go to work during the day. But what he came to was this conclusion that, that is true for everyone who works. At some point, that work is going to end. No matter how it ends, it's going to come to an end. And when it does, someone else will pick up that job, or maybe no one else will pick up that job. Things will go on. Some may remember you for a while, but others will forget, and after time, perhaps no one cares about the work that you've done. So maybe work isn't going to cut it when we're looking to find a true happiness. So what does Solomon try next? How about stuff? 
money, possessions, achievements, power. There's all kinds of things that we can get, can receive. A lot of these things sound pretty good and and they can uh, be a lot of fun. But let's see what Solomon found in chapter 5. He writes this. The money lover isn't satisfied with money. Neither is the lover of wealth satisfied with income. This too is pointless. When good things flow, so do those who consume them. But what owners benefit from such goods except to feast their eyes on them? Just as they came from their mother's womb naked, naked they'll return, ending up just like they started. All their hard work produces nothing, nothing they can take with them. Solomon discovered, of course, uh, what we know today to be true as well. That it seems that whatever, you, whatever income that you hope that you'll achieve, whenever you get that, there's always something that's next. And, and something next after that, it's like a hamster wheel of, of wanting more and more things and finding that nothing really makes us happy. We can accumulate possessions, but they don't benefit us, and they certainly don't go with us at the end of our life. As for achievements, we can't accomplish enough to satisfy the longing for something more. And no matter how great we are, there's always someone that might be better than we are. At least we perceive that they are. So maybe achievements aren't going to cut it either when it comes to looking for happiness. Okay, so work and stuff are out. What what else does Solomon try? He says, you know what? (laughs) How about pleasure? Let's just have things that feel good. Surely that will make me happy. He says in chapter 2, he says this, I said to myself, come, I will make you experience pleasure. Enjoy what is good. But this too was pointless. Merriment, I thought, is madness. Pleasure of no use at all. I tried cheering myself with wine and by embracing folly, with wisdom still guiding me, he adds there, until I might see what is really worth doing in the few days that human beings have under heaven. Well, that's not going to work either, is it? There aren't enough parties in the world, Solomon discovers, people to sleep with or bottles of wine to cover up the longing that we feel. Work doesn't make him happy. Accumulation doesn't make him happy. Pleasure doesn't make him happy. So what is it? What did Solomon come to about happiness? What did he learn from his study? Well, he shares it with us. Chapter 1, verse 2. Perfectly pointless, says the teacher. Perfectly pointless. Everything is pointless. Everything is pointless. In other words, as a result of a study, Solomon's grand conclusion was, wait for it, nothing will make us happy. Nothing will make us happy. Now, I know you might be saying, Andrew, you said you were going to talk about this for three more weeks. If this is the end of the story, this is his conclusion that nothing's going to make us happy, what, what exactly are we going to be talking about? It's, it's a little bit depressing, right? Uh, when, when you come to this conclusion, but, but if you uh, listen to that conclusion and you say it again, that, that nothing makes us happy, nothing makes us happy, and then And then you add a space in it. You begin to get a clue about what Solomon discovered. Nothing makes us happy. No thing makes us happy. No thing makes us happy. You see, there's a deep truth here in Solomon's conclusion. He hints at it. He hints at it later in the book of Ecclesiastes. After repeating his observation that many things in life are pointless. He goes on to say this, two are better than one because they have a good return for their hard work. If either should fall, one can pick 
another, up the other. But how miserable are those who fall and don't have a companion to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they can stay warm, but how can anyone stay warm alone? Also, one can be overpowered, but two together can put up resistance. A three-ply cord doesn't easily snap. He seems to have some positive words here to say. Well, he goes to great lengths to show us that no thing makes us happy. Solomon gives us hints as to where happiness lies, and it isn't in things, it's in relationships. Solomon tells us that two are better than one, that a three-cord, three-ply cord doesn't easily snap. No thing can make us happy. Relationships can. Relationships can. It's what Jesus taught many years later. It constitutes one of the most simple and profound messages of Scripture. Things don't make for lasting, things don't make for lasting happiness. Relationships do. The starting point for lasting, relationship, uh, lasting happiness is relationships, and not just any kind of relationships, three specific kinds that Jesus shared with us in uh, the, what was read from Matthew just a few moments ago. Somebody asked him, what's the most important thing in all of the teachings of Scripture? How would you boil it down to just a few things? What is most important, Jesus? And, and what Jesus says is recorded in three Gospels, and, and here in Matthew, he replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You must love your neighbor as you love yourself. Did you see the three relationships there? You must love the Lord your God, a relationship with God. And you must love your neighbor, relationship with other people, as you love yourself. Your relationship with yourself matters too. In these three relationships, we can find happiness with God, with other people, and with ourselves. The good news is that this lasting happiness can be found in these three types of relationships. It really is that simple. And um, some of you may be skeptical and say, "Uh, I'm not so sure about that. So I want to end today with that other study, the the study from Harvard. Dr. Waldinger uh, and his colleagues, after 75 years of research, millions of dollars, after thousands of hours of study, what did they find? What did they come to their conclusions? He, He writes this. What are the lessons that come from the tens of thousands of pages of information that we've generated on these lives? Well, the lessons aren't about wealth or fame or working harder and harder. The clearest message that we get from this 75-year study is this. Good relationships keep us happier and healthier, period. So here's our challenge. When we find ourselves trying to accumulate stuff, trying to gain achievements, pouring too much into our work or seeking pleasure, Remember that these things may contribute to our happiness, but by themselves, they won't enable you to achieve it. Instead, the invitation that Jesus offers to us is to build relationships, to build our relationship with God, to connect more deeply with other people, and to be at peace in the relationship that we have with ourselves. And in these relationships, we can find lasting happiness.
Will you pray with me? Gracious God, you know what each of us carries in our lives. You know where we're looking and what we're chasing after in our search for happiness. And so God, today help us to listen to the wisdom of so many who have come before us, scientists and philosophers and kings and theologians who say it's not money, it's not work, it's not power, it's not having fun, it's what we invest in good relationships with you, with other people and with ourselves that brings lasting happiness. May your Holy Spirit fill us with the wisdom to come back, to listen and learn, and ultimately to live out of the truth that you teach us. We pray these things in the name of the one who came to restore our relationship with you, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.